August 8th, 1969. Photographer Ian McMillan takes the photo that becomes the cover of the Beatles album, Abbey Road. At Ringo's insistence, they also take a funny one, one where they try to look ugly, and one where we're shooting John outside a hotel in New York in 1980. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Don't know why I said it like a prospector. Um, joining us, it's part of the uh, great revisionist movie trap crossover, the co-host of 2020. It will be described in history books for years to come as somehow the worst event in the year 2020. <laughs> the breaking point is what the headlines will say tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-host of that podcast, Chris Borif, everyone. Hello, hello, welcome and well met. Hello, everybody. Thank you. So excited to be on. Chris and I did a podcast about 10 years ago that was a pre- uh, predecessor to the movie Trap, much as Brian and I did a podcast about 10 years ago that was a predecessor to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, history uh, history echoes, I believe. That's the... Yeah, the, uh, the sheer level of quarantining outside encouraged everyone to jump back into making podcasts since mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do outside except... Put yourself in danger. So, well, yeah. <laughs> the joke's on them because Brian and I never stopped. <laughs> and actually, the joke is on us because yeah, the we should have stopped. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Listeners, if you're new to the show, what we do each episode is we take a topic from history. One person presents the official uh, your daddy's version of events. And another person comes. My dad actually goes to that person. Yeah, and uh, don't dox my dad, but he goes to that person and tells them the actual. uh, Sorry, that's our new CBS sitcom. Don't dox my dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's on production hiatus, but we're hoping for 2022. I had a dream about your dad actually the other night. Now that I now that I mention his name. I um, didn't have a dream about your dad anytime recently. I know. Um, don't don't dox my dad. Isn't that kind of what the entire like Incredible Hulk series was about? <laughs> it's like he'd go to a town and be doxed and then have to keep walking down the road. I mean, sure. Yeah. That, that and some <laughs> other stuff was what it was yeah. about. <laughs> Famously, no, no one has been doxed more than the Incredible Hulk. Everybody knows him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's big, he's mean, he's green. He's very easy to pick out in a crowd. It's hard to hide. Yeah, really, the most (laughs) doxable person on the planet. Yeah. And also, he wrote a tweet against Gamergate, and that was a mistake. Mm. Well, no, it was the right thing to do, but yeah. Right, ultimately. Ultimately, (laughs) led to a kerfuffle. The the other thing we do on the show is then another person uh, tells not your daddy's um, version of that person, place, or thing from history. And the winner gets to become the truth going forward um, of... The, sorry, I'm getting some cat interference. Yep, well, we have cat cameos this episode. You know, deal with it. It's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That cat cameo costs $200. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was either that or John Voight, so... The cat is not in the room with Brian. We we bought a cameo. He's holding his phone to the microphone. The thing is, it's still my cat. I had to buy a cameo yeah. for my own cat. Um... Let's it's crazy just how many cats are on podcasts nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, no. every podcast I know, there's a cat on it. It's all of them. Yeah, yeah. Conan O'Brien's cat really started a, a whole movement. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying Conan O'Brien's cat invented podcasts. <laughs> Last episode, we talked about Jon Snow, uh, epidemiologist, and the alternate history won what was a very, very close vote in the end. That alternate history was a crossover of the... The, the obvious go-to choice, which was to Game of Thrones, because he mm. has the same name as that guy from Game of Thrones. And ultimately, it became uh, a version of the 90s Jack Frost film starring Michael Keaton. Uh, <laughs> so go back yeah, and so th- That was the movie. I was trying to remember what the fuck it was. I'm like, it wasn't Toy Story, and it wasn't Birdman. It was something... <laughs> Weren't there like a couple Jack Frost movies? There was like the hard one, one and murderer, then there were all the murder yeah. ones. Yeah. Okay, so good. This good. was the hard. This was the family friendly one, not the one where uh, I believe there is a scene where a woman in a bathtub is killed by him putting his nose down south. It's a, not a good movie. Hey. Oh no! It's parrot nose. It oh. sounds familiar that uh, Shannon Elizabeth or somebody like that. I think like she was the woman in the bathtub. Oh, I believe okay. she well, was the bathtub that, woman, yeah. yeah. I saw it in a sleepover <laughs> at, in elementary school. <laughs> that, the way it was meant to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you to Katie Hannon for that. Uh, this time around, while we're still in this medical history vein, we'll be discussing Johan Conrad Dippel. Um, Zach, you'll yep. be doing the true story. Yep. And Chris, you'll be doing the alternate. I'll be doing the truer story, yep. All right, boys. Well, whenever you're ready, hit me with your best shot. Uh, Dr. Dipple, um, (laughs) before being employed by Willy Wonka, (laughs) um, (laughs) was born uh, on the 10th of August in 1673 at Castle Frankenstein in Germany. Um... So, as you might have guessed already, uh, got some connection to that other Frankenstein. <laughs> Young Frankenstein, the doctor, of course. Of oh. course, I mean. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, do not get confused. Uh, he studied theology, philosophy, and alchemy at the University of Gießen, which is also in Germany. He got a master's degree in theology in 1693. And you know what they say? Alchemy, bad major. I yeah. don't think you're never going to get a job with an alchemy major. Is, uh, is well, the same. The theology, is, though, it's the long and philosophy. Yeah. But it's but it's the long term goal. You see, because mm-hmm. the whole trick with alchemy is you want to find the elixir of life, and once you got that, you basically can take as much sure. time as you want sure. to get the rest of those degrees. Yeah. So it's the long degree. Yeah. yeah. But I just love that this guy <laughs> chose theology and philosophy, and then his third choice was even more useless than those. <laughs> I, I just I want to picture what an alchemy class was, what that lecture consisted of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just pour some mercury on a frog and see what happens. <laughs> I just picture someone like writing lead on a chalkboard with a question mark and then like an equal sign. Yeah, they have a piece of paper that says lead, and they slowly flip it over, and it says gold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, details is that uh, how they used to detect lead was that it had a sweet taste. Mm-hmm. Like when you lick the lead rock, it's like, oh, it's a little sweet. That's lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene in The Last Jedi where the guy just 
like licks the salt off the ground for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie, but that scene makes no sense. Yeah, I forgot he's about that an, scene. He's on that an alien planet full, covered in a white substance, and he's just like gonna try and lick this <laughs> yeah and then you know it's also the scene where there's a cameo from like gareth edwards who did rogue one where mm-hmm. he's the other guy in the same thing where he just looks over and he's like huh why did you do that yeah. and they never address it yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's enough about the last jedi for uh, this edition <laughs> we'll get back to our last jedi inside of our podcast chris we have a last jedi minute by minute mm-hmm. podcast yes we did oh, okay. it for this week it was the salt minute <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Luke Skywalker is going to stand in front of some ATATs. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I love so that movie. He, um, <laughs> after getting his master's, he published a number of theological works under the name Christian Democritus. Christianus Democritus. <laughs> Christianus Democritus. That is like a Facebook page your uncle follows. This is an alt-right like meme generator. Right now, they're like, why are we... They put out every day like stuff about how we shouldn't be worried about coronavirus because there's pedophiles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I I mean... By the way, that is definitely happening. Look, walk and chew gum, people. That's all I can say. Uh, Anyway. Uh, so, um, he started getting interested in hermetic studies in 1700, um, and a former friend of his, a preacher by the name of Conrad Brosk, uh, eventually became his rival because he refused to publish Dippel's work, which, uh, was some kind of anti-Protestant piece. Um, <laughs> uh, and in response, Dippel accused him of, uh, Dippel accused him of, uh, collusion and conspiracy hmm. so that was fun with the protestants okay. or just like uh, with in the general authorities is what okay it said. this would have been like pre uh this would have been like pre 60 years war so yeah or 30 years war now mm. i'm that's catholics versus protestants right i mean it was but i think uh, this, this was, was 1704 after yeah. way after then yeah yeah 30 Time, years war yes. was like First, first thing to do, go on a history podcast yeah. <laughs> and then get the dates wrong. Okay. No, you guys are correct. It's, it's way, it was way before. Yeah. It was way before. Yeah. It was not that long before. It was in the 1600s, but Look, the there's a, 1600s, but. There's a lot of fucking wars in this time yeah. around this, around this <laughs> neck of the woods. So they call, it's easy yeah. to get mixed up. Uh, regardless, uh, the name of the piece, I'm not, I'm guessing it was anti-Protestant based on some of the things that, uh. Dippel believed, and also the name was the scourging papacy of the Protestants. So <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> Weirdly, it was a recipe for pineapple upside down cake. That's all it yeah. was. <laughs> uh, his beliefs, his theological beliefs, were very controversial. Uh, there was a man named Emanuel Swedenborg who uh, was for a while a big proponent of Dippel's beliefs. Uh, Dippel wanted uh, to dissolve the formal, formal church and instead instead uh, have everybody have a personal, a more personal relationship to religion and Christianity and also supported not taking the Bible as the literal word of God, all of which sounds pretty good to me, but back then was not as cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Swedenberg eventually turned on Dipple because he accused him of being an opportunist with no real principles. He said he had a quick temper and he did not allow dissent on his ideas from anyone. So it sounds like he was kind of a douche, maybe. Aaron Um, Burr type. Yeah. I mean, these these all could be like uh, compliments in German, though. That's the thing to realize. (laughs) (laughs) It's all like it sounds in English. Yeah, it sounds in English like it's terrible criticism, but over there it's just saying he's a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Swedenborg seemed to think that he was more or less a wannabe, almost a wannabe like cult leader with his new approach to religion, which probably is an exaggeration. Um, and he was trying and eventually came to think he was trying to drive people from the church to, quote, take away their intelligence of truth and good. So, I well, guess. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting way to phrase that. Yeah. Uh, he also called him a most vile devil. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> MVD. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Dipple, uh, Dipple didn't shut his fucking mouth and got in prison for seven years <laughs> <laughs> for heresy. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so he got <laughs> he got seven years for heresy, uh, and mm. after that was done, he created something called Dipple's Oil, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which uh, tastes. It sounds like it tastes delicious. Again, okay, it sounds I was like, gonna say it sounds like a Wonka invention, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier. Um, but in fact, it has very few practical uses. Uh, it was sort of effective as a bug repellent. Um, eventually, uh, he used it to create a unique blue ink called Prussian blue, which is, mm. I believe still used today. Um, mm-hmm. and it eventually, and during, uh, around world war two ish, it had some use in that you could poison water wells and make them undrinkable, but the substance wasn't poisonous itself. It just made the water undrinkable for some reason. I'm not clear on just like so some chemical reaction. Yeah. Exactly. It just, it, cause it tastes bad. Yeah. So it they just dumped it in. You could poison people's water without violating the Geneva Conventions, and that was popular <laughs> in World War II. Yikes. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah. But Dipple claimed that it was an elixir of life, and he uh, unsuccessfully <laughs> tried to trade the formula to Dipple's oil for his childhood home of Castle Frankenstein. Oh, Didn't shit. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the owner was holding out for Lunchables, I think, or Lunchables Pizza. Uh, yeah, exactly. that's where that's where that's where the real money is. Um, he did work at Castle Frankenstein for a time, regardless. Though um, a lot of uh, points in his life are kind of myths or they're unclear. There was rumors that he um, blew up one of the towers of Castle Frankenstein with nitroglycerin. Uh, this is probably not true because there's no reliable record of it and nitroglycerin hadn't been discovered yet. So (laughs) (laughs) that seems, that seems unlikely. Yeah. That seems like a big check mark against that. Um, also there were a lot of rumors that he experimented with human cadavers Mm -hmm. and specifically was trying to commit something, some kind of soul transference between bodies. Um, and that this experimentation got him driven out of town by an angry mob. There's not a lot of historical evidence that any of this actually happened. There's a little bit of stuff for the, the cadavers and soul transference. It's not concrete, but I'll get to it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was banned from several countries for, again, his religious beliefs and not his 
corpse experiments. Cadaver stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had to also flee his hometown after killing a man in a duel hmm. and for failing to uh, failing to pay back creditors who had uh, invested in his his alchemy works, theoretically. Uh, Dipple, like, <laughs> seemed to be a bit of a con man. You might have picked that up from the Dipple's oil. From the Dipple's oil, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some accounts say that as he grew older, he fully lost his faith and said that Christ was an indifferent being and turned his focus fully to alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about, I like... Mean, that's- it sounded cooler to me right now. He's like, yeah. no more of this Christ business. I want to burn some shit. Look, yeah. I want to stay grounded <laughs> on things I can really, really perceive and see. Things I know are there. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with alchemy. Yeah. Uh, so he continued to claim he had created elixir of life as uh, his life went on. He also started making claims that he had potions that could exercise demons and that he could indeed transfer souls between bodies with a funnel. So, <laughs> I like I'm picturing like a kitchen funnel. Like, yeah. I, I'm just wondering like how the funnel's set up. Is it like one body's hanging above the other? Like, is it is like a soul heavier than air or lighter than it's air? It's like That's a beer bong. Question. Yeah, it's yeah. a beer bong yeah. for souls. The person okay, a gravity bong with their their mouth souls. Open. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can also shotgun souls if you're so inclined. <laughs> Just <laughs> pop somebody in the back of the neck with a with a blade and then suck the, <laughs> turn them upside down and suck the soul Jesus. out of them. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever done a soul yeah. stand, you'll kind of know what that's yeah, it's like. A, that's, yeah, it's a it's a it's a regular uh, corpse shucking. I think that's what they call that corpse shucking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you've ever played soul pong, you'll know that's not really an effective way to get. <laughs> A lot of souls in you really quickly. Now, you won't be too surprised when I describe the method for Irish car bombing souls. Um, <laughs> Is it just an Irish car bomb? Yeah, it's pretty much. The IRA got that one Got that one in one. As an Irish person, we do just call them car bombs. So, <laughs> But it has to be in Ireland. That's the truth. Um, all right. So... He uh, eventually got set up with a lab in Wittgenstein, and uh, this period of his life is not as well documented. Um, He was at least once accused by a minister of grave robbing, experimenting on corpses, and consorting with the devil. So that's a good, (laughs) a nice little trifecta. Survey says. Yeah. If he had a witchcraft in there, it'd be a real EGOT, um, (laughs) but not quite. (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, it's also possible some people speculate that Dipple may have actively spread certain rumors about himself, uh, including about the Quark's experimentation, or that he sold his soul for dark knowledge and was a sorcerer, because <laughs> it made people more willing to pay for his secret knowledge and bogus potions. <laughs> I mean, that totally makes sense. It's like street cred, or when you go into like a uh, a dispensary and they start telling you about the different the different strains, and it's like none of this is. It's just going to make me feel funny, isn't it? And that's the only truth in all that. Yeah, it's but also- it makes it seem cool when you go in and they seem knowledgeable. Yeah. It's also uh, just like it, wild marketing to be like, yeah, I'm the corpse guy. I'm going to lean into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it is definitely true, though, it should be noted that um, Dipple definitely did experiment 
on dead animal corpses often. Uh, he was described in, as a, quote, avid dissector. So, oh, um, yeah, he, he, he cut open a so... lot of animals. Sometimes he used their b- bits to make his potions. <laughs> I mean, avid, avid dissector, that's, that could be anybody who just, like, really enjoys going to KFC. Yeah, that's... You know? <laughs> that's just, so like, Getting a bucket of chicken wings. Yeah. Um... So in 1733, he claimed he had created an elixir that would extend his life to 135. And in 1734, he died. Um, In April 1734, to be exact. uh, Most probably it was a stroke or something like that. Um, uh, some people suspected poisoning, but as we've discussed on previous episodes, anytime anybody died in this time period, someone suspected poisoning. <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt. And as we've been kind of like touching on the medical history episode, the water was essentially poison in a lot of places around yeah. this time. And he was making like animal juice elixirs yeah. <laughs> and assumedly drinking them. So... <laughs> I'm just picturing animal the, juice. The bu- it's what's good for kids. <laughs> Let's see. We got purple stuff. <laughs> Squeeze bits of possum. Okay. Well, the problem nowadays is that they're all artificial animal. Yeah. They don't have it. You can't. You have to. Yep. You have to go to Whole Foods to find authentic animal juice. <laughs> no, I, I'm on. A, I'm on a juice cleanse. <laughs> Shoves raccoon in juicer. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, the, the big thing that uh, kind of cemented his legacy, though, is that there is a lot of unconfirmed but very plausible speculation that Dipple was the inspiration and base, basis for Dr. Frankenstein in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. Um, I think the modern Prometheus part is important. People forget mm-hmm. it, but it is important. Uh, people always say Frankenstein is the doctor, not the creature. Uh, but I think the doctor should actually be referred to as the modern Prometheus. So please take the note. <laughs> the doctor, the modern take. Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, so my father insane. was the modern Prometheus. Just call me Dr. Pro- modern Prometheus. <laughs> the modern Prometheus is monster is what I would prefer. Um, regardless, uh, unless you're, an especially stupid listener. You've probably probably noticed that his castle was named Frankenstein. And that's also the name of that book. The castle was, I should note that the castle was not called modern Prometheus. Yeah. It wasn't called castle Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. It causes a lot of confusion because there's creature castle as well. So yeah. people get confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, of course, uh, castle son of Frankenstein. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and it's there's like, castle freak as well. Yeah. So there's, freak, there's all sorts yeah. of them. You don't want to mm-hmm. go there. Castle Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, regardless, um, aside from that bit of uh, coincidence uh, that supports this theory, Shelley had also visited the area in which Dipple lived several times. Uh, she would have visited not too long after his death, only a few decades. Um, and he had become kind of a famous 
figure in the area mm-hmm. in the intervening years, almost a subject of some folklore and myth. Um, so it seems extremely plausible that when she stopped by, she visited the castle, for instance, and she uh, had friends and visited the university where Dipple uh, got his start. Um, so it's extremely plausible that someone would have told her about Dipple or she would have heard the tales. Um, her diary implies that she did indeed hear some local folklore while she was in that region and wished to revisit it someday. And the her diary also had her starting to become interested in ideas like bringing a life back to a corpse not long after one of her visits to the area. So it seems like there's a pretty good chance Dipple might have been the inspiration for Dr. Frankenstein and the Frankenstein tale. Regardless, however, though, again, no hard proof. Regardless, mm. uh, Dipple has appeared and been referenced in a ton of monster movies, ton of books, ton of, you know, magazines with horror stories in them. Usually he's like, has some connection to Dr. Frankenstein or the creature or is a replacement for the doctor Hmm. Um, occasionally he's like extremely long lived and really found the elixir of life. There's one where he's an immortal who briefly worked for Hitler. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but most of them seem very trashy and like, like <laughs> you don't or, say after, yeah. after that description, <laughs> but, uh, that is the story of the real life Frankenstein slash a snake oil salesman named Johan Conrad. Dipple. Say, did you say Johan? Johan? Did I say Johan? I meant Johan. Yeah, I think you said Johan. <laughs> jo- 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 Johan's fabrics. <laughs> yeah, that's we don't right. Have that's an audio. We don't have an audio recording of him saying it. Okay, so <laughs> that's true. It is possible. That is our sponsor, Johan's Fabrics, uh, which is <laughs> your your number one source for all your corpse reanimation and animal juicing needs. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to say this. Please don't juice animals. It's it's cruel. Unless uh, you're a farmer and you're getting milk. I mean, that's okay. That's uh, that's that, technically juicing well, an animal. I don't think that's technically <laughs> true. I don't. I don't think so. Milking it? and juicing Some juice seems different. Comes out? I mean, it's definitely partially juicing the cow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Just not Zeth. taking it the rest of the way. Milk is cow juice. That should have been the name, to be honest. <laughs> I forgot about all your time down at the ranch. I, I should have. <laughs> I should have deferred to you, deferred to you there, <laughs> partner. Um, Zach, thank you. Of course. <laughs> Chris, whenever you're ready. All right. So my first and foremost thing is I'm going to say that uh, all the things that have been said about Dipple are not true. They're mm. incorrect. They are specious rumors. Specifically, the, uh, the big Cerulean Blue Company. Big Cerulean is backing an alternative history. And they've started this whole story about Frankenstein and the background and all of it. Of course, like headquartered in Cerulean City. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, Here's Pokemon? the deal. Yep. No, no. The We were talking about him. You mentioned uh, Dipple's oil, right? I did the mention The gross-tasting stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's roughly made when you take bones and you make a bong and then you... Burn it in a retort flask, and it goes over into an Erlenmeyer flask with water running on it, and then it condensifies down into that gross oil that was described. <laughs> this is also Here's the second the episode where we talked about making a bong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagine a cool Vince Gilligan Breaking Bad, 
you know, montage of the making mm-hmm. of Dipple Oil and mm. your set. There's a lot well, of it's basically, it is, it is exactly the stuff you'd see in the background of like a Frankenstein movie where it's the mm. big like okay. chemistry things and all that stuff. Chemistry one of those lightning balls. Maybe they have one of those mm-hmm. lightning balls from Spencer's yeah, gifts. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. One of those th- <laughs> pins you press your hand into and it re- retains the indentation. Yeah. Um, Fucking fake poop. The, Spencer's gifts, baby. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, let me see. And then essentially like what goes down is that, you know, he bounces around for a couple years, tries to tell people to eat it. Everyone's saying this stuff's gross. We don't want to eat it. Uh, they don't understand then, he's not insulting them. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, eat it. It's going to be good for you. Yeah, and like, no, this is, that's how he would start conversations with strangers. He would hold it up and just say, eat it. Eat it. <laughs> Until one day he met a man named Weird Al Yankovic who yeah. got a great idea. Well, like you were saying, he came up with Prussian Blue, and there's the whole deal with that, because it was him and another guy named Johan. There were two Johans, and Man. it was the two Johans. They had a laboratory I have to in say, Berlin. Now that I've thought about it and his weird alchemy setup with the, you know, the <laughs> flasks and stuff and the Prussian Blue, if I had done the alternate fully, it would have been a Breaking Bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to make a weird alchemy I, Yankovic thing. I, I, I should have I should have gone full meth. You're right. Um, Weird alchemy. No, I, I, <laughs> well, it was never sort of go, like that because, like, please don't say full meth again. That's like a good thing. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because uh the whole deal with it is is that with prussian blue like we had at one point in time had blue as a color and people wanted blue Mm. they had egyptian blue it was the the light fast blue they use in all the egyptian tomes the problem is is just like with the original thing for cement uh we lost all of it like concrete Mm. we lost those to time because the cultures they came from broke down into nothing and no one wrote anything down and they couldn't read it anyway because it was just people standing on the side of a thing. <laughs> so the problem is that years later, they were uh, these two dudes were just chilling. That's what all chilling. the archaeologists say when they find the hieroglyphs. They're like, oh, it's just people standing on the side of a thing. Oh, my God. We recovered and documents from the Library of Alexandria. I can't wait to crack it. It's just people standing on a thing. There's a fucking bird. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I quit. Like my kids draw, my kids draw these pictures too. I don't understand. <laughs> my yeah, my kid yeah, could. My invent kids this. could do this. My kid could have made the pyramids. <laughs> Look at it. It's just a bunch of squares. Often kids squares were making the pyramids. Yes. Oh, you made a wonder of the world. My kid could do it in second grade <laughs> art class. Forget about it. It's getting hang more and more gardens. Brooklyn. You just plant well, the gardens up high. They're gonna hang. I got mm-hmm. your Pharaoh's lighthouse right here. <laughs> so that backs it up here's the idea way back in the day they had blue then they lost blue and everybody was looking to make blue again so it was a hot race for blue everybody could do every other color so all the paintings from before that period were all black and red because that's all people could remember and you go all the way back in history it's just black and red because they just didn't have any other colors and people would look up at the sky and they didn't have a name for it they just wave their hand and go i don't know there's a vague lack of red and blue up there <laughs> and red and excuse me, red and black up there, and it would just be blue, and they wouldn't this, know. So this is here's what happens. Uh, interestingly enough, as crazy as this may sound, listener, if you read the Odyssey and stuff, they do describe <laughs> the sky as wine-like, and a lot of scholars believe it's because they didn't have mm-hmm. like a word or a concept for blue. Uh huh. So red and blue were kind of the same for those. Uh huh. 
There was like a whole radio lab about this, I think, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because once you jump forward in time, uh, people are still making a lot of money off colors. They're like, you want some red? I got some red. You want some Big black? I got some black. <laughs> Big color. People were all into it. It was like the uh, the chemistry of uh, biotech is now, but it was like, ooh, who can make a slightly red or red? Who can make a black that's a little greenish? Yeah. It's a big thing. <laughs> So Elon Musk one Sr. Guy, came up with lavender, uh-huh. and it was a big deal. Yeah. A lot uh-huh. of people followed him on Twitter. <laughs> well, here, here's the deal with this one. Like, uh, when Johan was looking for a place to do his, like, alchemy and his, like, search for, like, the finest of bone char turn into, like, mm-hmm. bone oil, uh, <laughs> gross resin. He was selling resin is basically what he was selling. Um so he met another Johan named Johab Jacob Dicebach. And Johab Jacob Dicebach was busy making red pigment at the time out of cochil, which is a, uh, a cock, cockneal. It's, a, it's an insect that crawls on cacti that they were getting from South America. And what they do is they take a whole bunch of them, grind them up, and it would make this really, really dark red ochre color. And then they'd mix it into other things. So... This guy's just sitting there doing his shop. He's just mixing up some of that red, <laughs> mixing up some of that Berliner red. Crushing buds, and then, making green. Yep, crushing bud, doing that thing. And then, lo and behold, the other Johan's sitting at the other desk, and he's got some dirty-ass tool that he's been jamming into his beakers, and it's got a bunch of that gross bone oil all over it. <laughs> just just a, a whole lot of bone sauce, animal oil, they called it. And he left it on it. And the other guy, the other Johan, grabs it, jams it into his mixture, and starts smishing it around, just trying to mix it. <laughs> this and man what knows happens chemistry. Is, yeah. And I it, mean, it, this, uh, is, this is basically how he described the alchemy class earlier. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but he, he ro- throws his hands up, and he says, Scheiß de Wandan! Which is shit on the wall. Uh, this is an actual German exclamation of excitement to yell shit on the wall. Yep. Um, and, uh, essentially what happens is the other Johan says, you've got a lot of pepper in your ass today. What's going on? Which is also a real German term for when someone's very, very excitable. And he says, I just made blue, but I made the hottest new blue. And they went on to like make tons of money because no one had made the color blue that was light fast and would last for a long time. So, uh, Prussian blue was the first synthetic or semi-synthetic blue that was lightfast for many years. And after that, people started using them blue in all sorts of stuff. Like, it, it blew up. It was like the Beatles, man. Mm. Just, just It was going all across cultures. Uh, if you go and you, like, uh, pick up a copy of Ka- Katashuki Hok- Hokusui's The Great Wave mm-hmm. off Kanagawa... The great wave, the blue on that is the Prussian blue because it went over there and then it came back just like heavy metal music went back and forth. It went over to, you know, Sweden from America and then back, mm-hmm. right? And when it came back, it was a different deal. So this time when it came back, everybody thought, oh, it's like a Japanese thing. So then you start having people like, you know, Van Gogh starts breaking out the blues. He starts doing Starry Skies. And, you know, suddenly it's not a scream business anymore. very close to anymore. what that painting is called, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just Starry Skies. <laughs> and uh, so what I'm saying is that that was the main thing. And then years later, years later, 
they came by and suddenly this Swiss guy named Albert Hopfner discovers cerulean blue, which is made by mining things, right? You got to dig up, you got to dig up minerals. Everything, everything we were talking about was just take some bones, you crush them up, you melt them. And you take some of those bugs, you schmoo them together, and you get blue. This other thing, you got to get a whole bunch of dudes. They got to go downstairs and dig. They got to bring up the stuff. Go downstairs. <laughs> they, you know, they got to work it out. They got to go downstairs in the mine. They got to, you know, dig things up, drag it up. And, you know, that's super expensive. And you just can't make that effective. You know, mm-hmm. you got these other people who are making this this cheap blue. You got mm-hmm. this new blue that's really fancy and you want to sell it to people, but it's too hard to get out of the ground. And you can't make people pay those high prices for blue because you already got the cheap blue out there. So what do you do? You got to start throwing out falsehoods about the guy who came up with it. So you can't you can't just come out and say, oh, that other blue shit, because people are going to say, oh, it looks the same. You got to go after the guy who made it. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm saying. It's it's just a, it's just a long con. It's just big cerulean. It's 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 the uh, it's the uh, the the George Rowney cerulean more expensive 1860 uh, uh, scandal is what I'm describing, guys. I'm doxing it. I'm blowing it up. So my suggestion is is that uh, you know it it's it's uh, the Frankenstein thing. It's it's a it's a strong goal, but I think I think that if we're gonna go for it. It's really got to be big cerulean trying to trying to discredit him. That's that's what I think has happened. I, I also love big cerulean as the name of like a mobster and like a Frank Miller. <laughs> the soft the thing the thing I like about that story is in part is that uh, aside from this conspiracy against him, when he was just a regular guy, most of what he did was walk up to people and try to get them to eat things or pour his oil in random flasks. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of history in that in Germany, though. There's, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the big things they like to yell is Imkreis Kotzen, which is when you're upset in Germany, you gather around in a circle and vomit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Im- Imkreis Kotzen. It's, it's vomiting in a circle. That's uh, a... <laughs> Man, what a what a heritage part of me has. <laughs> I mean, also it's, it's the same thing with like, oh, there's there's pepper in your butt. Uh-huh. Of being like that doesn't seem like a thing that would get you excited. Like it would, it would be seem like be more just like distressing or confusing. Well, I think it's supposed to be something like um, when somebody says in America when somebody says uh, you've got a lot of piss and vinegar. Yeah. It's America, it's that sort of thing. You also say pep in your step, right? Those people yeah, yeah. A- yeah, but piss and vinegar yeah. is sort of the same thing, where it's like, oh my god, I have too much <laughs> piss. Also, I'm drinking vinegar. Are you just now discovering that a lot of idioms don't really make like logical, literal sense? Well, no, not just a long discovery. <laughs> where have you been well, killing all these birds with one stone? Well, it's one of those things. Like, uh, I actually have like I was born in Germany, and I have like German family members, so I can talk about it a little bit. But like. My dad goes on this whole thing about how American um, idioms and insults are all like perversion based, but all the German insults are all scatological based. Mm -hmm. So it's like in America, we'll call people like, I don't know what you guys, uh, I should ask, do you guys just curse openly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, like we call people like motherfuckers and like, you know, I don't know, like, you you know, that essentially. Uh, But over there, they'll call people like an asshead or an ass licker, or, you know, uh, you know, 
dumb cop or something like that. Yeah. They'll give them some sort of a scatological based insult. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I um fucking German. Sorry, that was a yes hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> I also I, I wasn't sure if you already knew German or if you had looked up specific phrases for for your alternate <laughs> history. <laughs> Oh, no, man. these are all real. Yeah, I, I got introduced to them when I was a kid over there. I was like, what does that mean? No, I'm familiar with some of those. Um, Chris, thank you. Um, thank you. Before we move on to judgment, I just want to say, hey, listeners, uh, if you want, uh, you can maybe pledge some money to us on Patreon, uh, which is great. Uh, putting the show together is not expensive, but it's also not free, uh, b- believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, and that helps uh, us cover the costs. And also, additionally, um, you can write a review on iTunes, because that uh, increases the visibility of the podcast and for I mean, some reason. Yeah, we don't know. It's one of those weird things that no one can quite figure out how it works. As always, as long as you give us five stars, we don't care what you write. You can mm-hmm. write anything I've, you want. I've definitely high-fived you guys and given you a heart on Spotify. I have no idea if that helps you at all on iTunes. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> I mean, that's also a good point. If you listen on another provider, reviews there probably help also. Um, yeah. We're on all the major ones, Spotify, uh, Google Play, which is being weird, um, Apple, and uh, Stitcher. Um, uh, also, um, uh, in addition to that, uh, we're the you might have noticed the world is still terrible. <laughs> so if you don't feel like giving money to us, perhaps yes. you could give it to something related to COVID relief or Black Lives Matter or just a political campaign that looks to unseat some terrible people. <laughs> Um, I'll also throw in there right now uh, the Lebanese Red Cross. We've talked a lot oh, yeah. about my ancestry on this episode. I'm also Lebanese, um, and obviously uh, they need uh, they've needed a lot of help for a while, and the recent explosion has made things um, much worse. So if you can uh, throw some money to the Lebanese Red Cross because they are on the ground doing a lot of good work right now. Um. Also, last, lastly, you can always talk to us. That's free uh, on social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Revisionist Podcast on all of those. Uh, or send us a letter at revisionistpodcast.com. Just go to the contact page and uh, tell us what you think. Uh, tell us how much pepper we have in our butts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing that like a guess the number of jelly beans in a jar game and you win. I don't know what you would win in this case. Anyway. I should also say, if you enjoyed this, two of the three of us are on the Movie Trap podcast, which we mentioned oh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, Brian is also on an episode that will not yet be out at the time of the release of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I strongly hinted at what movie he was covering last time without saying it, so... Uh, I think I made it about as obvious as you possibly can. <laughs> um, uh, depending on your release time, it could be coming out in a couple weeks. I think. I'm putting yeah, this the out next one tomorrow. Yeah. So. Oh, oh well. Uh, the most recent one you've heard then would have been uh, the one we just put out today, Blind Spotting. So yeah, a mm-hmm. couple weeks coming, and we will have you on, Brian. 
Yeah, yep. uh, we had we had another recording that I was trying to schedule fall through, so this is going to be coming out tomorrow. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, Zach, you were saying something? No, just if you like this for some reason, <laughs> listen to that. It's mostly so, so, similar. <laughs> subscribe or potentially like even. I don't know. Yeah, it also has a video component, so you can look at mm-hmm. our faces. Um, but that uh, brings us that brings this train to the old judgment station. Um, so, and that falls to me this episode. Uh, and I think we have we have something that doesn't happen all that often where I feel like the alternate history, um, the person doing that also went and did like complimentary research. Um <laughs> Out, like outside of the purview of just making <laughs> shit up. Yeah, most uh, people do not uh, look yeah. at one word about the real person they're talking about, which is totally yeah, fine. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I live a, I live a fear-based life, so I try to always <laughs> research everything. Yeah, uh, no, I, I've read your self-help book, The Fear-Based Life. <laughs> uh, I, I abide by its principles. Um, yeah. We just most people. It's just like, oh, this is about a Chinese empress. Uh, she's like a Dolly Parton figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, y'all, y'all are comedians, so I figured, you know, uh, if I can't keep up with you on a yes and, at least I can be well researched. No, that's drag everything to a screaming halt with facts. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great strategy, and to reward that, I'm going to cast my vote for the alternate history. Um, but <laughs> listeners, uh, voting on your end is now open on Patreon and check out the Instagram poll coming next week. If you're listening to this on the day of the release next Wednesday. Um, but Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Yep. Zach, thank you as always. Yep. For everyone here at the revisionists, I'm, uh, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. You've said your name weird both times this episode. Both times. I don't know what the fuck. It seems like each episode I get worse at ending the thing. Uh, Have a good time. (laughs) There. How do you like that? Animals. August 8th, 1963. In England, 15 robbers pull off the Great Train Robbery, making up with 2.6 million pounds and the demo of Drops of Jupiter. August 8, 1974, President Richard Nixon announces his resignation, effective the next day, so that night he could throw the biggest rager this town has ever seen. Um, August 8, 1876, Thomas Edison receives a patent for his mimeograph. On the outside, he seemed happy, but deep down, he really wished he could just be electrocuting an elephant. Uh, last one. August 8th, 870. King Louis the German and his half-brother Charles the Bald partitioned the Frankish kingdom. Germany in the east, bald city in the west. Fuck that up, but fuck it. All right. I also have four. August 8th, 1863. Following his defeat at Gettysburg... Robert E. Lee sends a letter of resignation to Jefferson Davis, but it's refused upon receipt because if there's one thing that the Confederacy loves, it's forcing people to do jobs and not allowing them to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, August 8th, 
1876, Thomas Edison receives a patent for his mimeograph, an invention that really showed his skill at copying the ideas of other people. (laughs) I'm kind of messing one up, but it's not my best one anyway, so I'm going to keep going. August 8th, 1908, the Wright brothers' first public flight occurs at a race course in Le Mans, France. Their first private flight was to their summer home in the Hamdens. And August 8th... Sorry. That's right. I'm getting... And uh, you're getting attacked by a cat, I see. 